Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, January 30th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Pretty well. Nice uh, stress-free day after a social Saturday night um, and no awful Sunday morning. That's always a big W. Uh, had a chill day, got out for a walk, didn't do a lot, but feel pretty good about it. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yesterday, discovered a new pond in my area to go out for a skate on and uh, ended up being like a couple guys out there, played some three-on-three hockey, which was really, really fun. It's been a while since I've been skating around like that at that speed and definitely felt it today. Uh, but but good. Spent today on the couch recovering watching all sorts of football as we talked about on on friday night and yeah overall good weekend and um, i'm ready to jump into the pod today there's some good stuff to talk about yeah let's get right at it then um the australian open wrapping up first of all so this will be the second last tennis talk piece for a while i want to do an autopsy on the whole thing next show but this segment will be focused on the champions Mostly Rafael Nadal, but first a heartfelt congratulations on Ash Barty for being just so much better than anyone else at this tournament. It's kind of absurd, uh, taking out Collins also in two sets, so she did not drop a set all tournament. Um, I can't, I don't know how common that is in women's tennis, like how often Serena was doing it in her prime, but that just seems absurd and so impressive to me uh the first australian or i can't remember if it was male or female or just female but i saw 44 years since the last uh open one at least by an australian female it probably is both um credit to her opponent collins for sending her to the first and only tie break she played all draw um which just circles back again to how ridiculously good she was on her home field so congratulations to ash barty uh the number one hardcore women's tennis player in the world without a doubt yep there's there's a serena sized void in the wta tour right now and we thought osaka was maybe going to be the one to step into that role as the woman to beat but right now, Ash Barty starting off the year with a statement. So interesting to see if she can build some momentum and take some of her success on the hard court to the clay and the grass. Yeah, and that's the thing. Filling that Serena-sized hole means having the versatility to do so. And just no one's been able to come close. Osaka even farther behind Barty in those regards, um, which does make the WTA very interesting around Grand Slam summertime because you it really is just an open field of dark horses and you have no idea who's going to emerge and take it. Um, yeah, we'll continue to monitor that, to that for consistency. But speaking of consistency, Mr. Perfect, um, the king of clay, the all-time leader, in ATP Grand Slam tournaments, one, Mr. Raphael, not Raphael, just Rafa Nadal, congratulations on your Australian Open finals win. And what a way to do it and show that the era of the big three isn't over, going down two sets to love and making it look easy after that. Um, 
incredibly reminiscent of Djokovic's clay finals against Tsitsipas this past year, who, where he also went down two and up three to win it. Um, it, it just, the big three era isn't over. Um, Daniel Medvedev came in, played the best first two sets he could. Uh, the serve was never, I think, at the level that he was punishing Djokovic with in the U.S. Open finals. Like, just there were breaks most sets this match, um, but he was able to break Rafa back initially and not pay for it in the third set. Just falls behind one break, one game, not played as well as he could have, not at that level, and that was all Rafa needed. Um, just the clutchness to play perfect tennis hours over hours pressure your opponent so immensely into the mental fatigue to just not be able to compete with you at anymore um rafa like if you look at the stats for this macho like medvedev played almost better everywhere like the first serve percentages the wins the speed on those the winners less unforced errors um his second serve really the only notable stat where rafa has like a significant advantage but stats don't paint the whole picture um nadal just perfect in a way that doesn't translate the it's the big three days era isn't over it's something special they've they've each got each these specific three guys, especially like all the champions that you see throughout sports have that extra ingredient. And when a guy like that goes down two sets to nothing, that ingredient really comes through and, and shows out. And the fact that he just, they've been through it years and years and years and reps and reps, and they're never phased. They're never down and he battles back. Like it's a true heart of a champion and it sounds cliche to say but there's a reason why now he's got 21 trophies in his collection and so-called dark horse to start this tournament um maybe one of the coldest takes we've had on this pod i've just teased it before but uh, he comes out and sets a tempo that he's going to try and add one more to his lead in the upcoming french open uh before Djokovic can really regain his form because it was all signs pointing in the way of Novak going into this year and Rafael Nadal, that kind of last grasp uh, on the hand of the trophy. And yeah, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff really from Rafa. You know, I felt a lot better after the dark horse comment when I saw that Nadal seemed to be as surprised as I was at how far he made it into the finals. Um, yeah, like on paper, he should have lost to a Zverev, uh, maybe even a Berrettini at this point in his career. And he showed that he's still just levels above those players and how consistent he can be over such a long period of time. And even if he's not as fast, as big, as powerful, the former is so much more important, especially at Grand Slam, a five-set level tennis Um I really do hope Novak gets his vaccine for the French because it would be a crime against humanity to not be able to see the next chapter in their clay court rivalry after the fantastic match they put on last year at the French with Djokovic ultimately taking that for, I think, the second time that ever that they've played on clay, maybe just the second time at the French. But 
to be at this point in the Grand Slam count, where if Nadal goes up by a lead of two and Novak's not allowed into Australia and he's not allowed into France, then catching up doesn't isn't quite the matter of certainty. It was literally a month ago. Um, but this mostly just want to focus on saying congratulations to Rafael Nadal, an excellent Australian Open. Um, I would have loved to have watched it, <laughs> but nonetheless, a really the tennis drama fascination, big picture storyline is at such an amazing place and seeing these goats carve out a legacy in real time that will last, I think, like as much as any sports dynasty legacy will ever last uh, has been phenomenal. And I'm excited to continue doing that over the months this year. Yeah. You talk goats and a really underrated piece of what has made him and Roger so special is their ability to take care of their bodies and still at this age play at such a high level, uh, really effortless. And, and especially Nadal's style where he plays longer points, plays a little more defensive that can be taxing um, and just, yeah, an absolute specimen. And as we transition here to football fan cave on the point of specimens and goats, I was scrambling yesterday afternoon possibly thinking that I was going to have to put together a, a Tom Brady honorarium. Uh, lots of reports saying that he was retiring. Now we have conflicting reports coming from his camp that uh, still undecided on that fact. So get to hold off on the Tom Brady celebration parade uh, for now. And, and if anything more does come out on that, we'll have that down the line. But before we talk more NFL, we got to talk about, yet again, the biggest match in Canadian soccer history. And I thought they just played that two days ago against Honduras. Like I said, the next one is the biggest one. And what a match it was. I don't know, Max, if you saw any of the scenes no. from Hamilton, but 12,000 in the arena, maybe double that outside, watching from the streets lighting flares in negative degree weather, uh, ready to welcome this American team with our Canadian hospitality. And this team with no Alfonso Davies, no Samuel Pieri, no Estacchio, no Atiba Hutchinson, who they were resting. Um, just he's, he's the most, he's played the most matches in their history. And you want to give him the day off, conserve his legs for, uh, what I feel is a trap game in El Salvador on Wednesday to wrap up the uh, international matches for this window. And yet, despite all that, this team, next man up, and they go out there and they make yet another statement. Basically, at this point, throw out all the record books, throw out all the history. For the first time since 1980, Canada has defeated the Americans in World Cup qualifying. So even longer than the last time they beat Honduras, they do it. Kyle Laren scoring in the seventh minute with a bit of brilliance between him and Jonathan Osorio. And then from there, Canada walling up, really taking the uh, creativity and the speed away from the Americans, forcing them to play to the outsides. And there wasn't a lot of dangerous chances in the middle. And when there was, Milan Borjan, he makes one 
ridiculous save every match. And this one was a header that he poked right off the crossbar, uh, kept it out to keep Canada's lead alive. And then the game late, a couple opportunities for Pulisic, uh, a free kick that sailed and and another one where he tried Borean up to the task. And then uh, Ricardo Pepe, who was great in the last international window for the States, really threw away so many chances and poor form from him continues. And the Canadians, uh, you'll have to go and watch Alfonso Davies' reaction to the last goal, but uh, the Americans have made all their subs and one of their players actually gets injured in, in a tussle with a Canadian player for the ball. So they're down to 10 minutes with about five minutes left. And ball sails out into kind of the back line for the Americans. Sam Atakube tips it on. And normally you'd have that extra player to clear it away. But he is able to break three and, and slot it home with about um, 30 seconds left in the game. But a ceiling goal that... I can't stop watching over and over again, the reactions from the fans in the stands from Alfonso watching on his Twitch live stream, people across the country getting behind this team. This is the new Toronto Raptors. This is the new uh, Canadian women's team that was so successful. This is every hockey team that Canada's ever had. That's won a gold medal. The, the whole country is riding with these guys and the internet was ablaze. Hamilton was ablaze and I just, we're so close now. They are top of the table. Um, The U.S. was in second place. We now have a four-point cushion over them, uh, waiting for the results of the Mexican and Panama games. But even if Mexico wins, Canada will have a two-point lead with four games left over second in the table. Uh, They're in just such a good spot. It's simply incredible. And they're just so close to Qatar and doing something that hasn't been done since 86 uh, football is such a big sport around the world. And it's growing here in Canada. Now um, they had the president of Canadian soccer on, in the halftime show. And he's talking about how registrations now for the spring seasons in like wow. youth soccer are through the roof. Kids are loving what they're seeing. And, and it's a movement here in this country. Um, yeah really, really awesome stuff. And I cannot wait for this trap game on Wednesday. I am a little bit worried that coming off a couple of really, really high highs that they could come out and and be flat, but it's hard to bet against this team because no matter what happens, they've stepped up to the challenge and they are undefeated so far in qualifying with five games left to go. I like the sound of that. So a great way to kick off my Sunday afternoon and, and kind of on at the same time, was an excellent AFC championship game. And we've got a really big upset to report folks. Not many had this one penciled in, but the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to the Super Bowl. Whew. Yeah. Wow. Just, just got to let that pause and settle in, but it did not look like that through the first half. The Kansas city chiefs go three for three on their opening drives. It's 21 to three. Uh, they're averaging nine yards per play. And then The Bengals finally get a field goal, make it 21 to three uh, with about a minute left in the half. And it's like, well, a minute. We saw Patrick Mahomes do 13 seconds last week and get 75 yards down the field for a field goal. What's he going to do in a minute? Chiefs, easily enough, get all the way down to the red zone. With five seconds left, no timeouts. They decide not to take the field goal. They go for it. And Tyreek Hill gets stopped right at the goal line. And the clock runs out and the Chiefs get nothing. And that really seemed to be the play. 
the TSN turning point, if you will, <laughs> of the game. The Bengals come out with some energy. Uh, they end up scoring a touchdown halfway through the third quarter. They finally stop the Chiefs offense and get a punt. And then they get an interception from their D lineman leading to another touchdown. Uh, and just like that, it's 21 21 uh, at the end of the third quarter with a two point conversion. And the fourth quarter, it's just this Bengals defense really continues to fight and come out of nowhere. Like no one had them written in as a team that could stop the Chiefs, and they only give up three points from the first half onward. Uh, Legereus Sneed with a big interception of Joe Burrow to try and stall the momentum of the Bengals, but the line comes through and gets a huge sack and Mahomes was running around and unable to make the key throws when they needed him to. And this game goes to overtime uh, with a sack of Mahomes where he fumbles the ball with four seconds left, but recovers it himself. Uh, and they kick the field goal to send it to overtime. And then in overtime, basically a reflection of last week, the Chiefs win the coin toss and everyone throws their hands up and goes, it's going to happen again. One team is not going to get to touch the ball and the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl. We got to change the overtime rules, blah, 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 blah. And then third down, Mahomes to Tyreek Hill gets batted away from him and intercepted by Von Bell, comes back the other way. And then the Bengals able to run out uh, a bit of the clock with Joe Mixon, um, mixing it up and getting the yards needed they <laughs> put themselves in a great spot and Evan McPherson he's money from 33 he's not going to miss that he made a 52 yarder to send them to the AFC championship last week and the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl Joe Burrow second year in the NFL um, the only only other guy really who's done something like this is is Patrick Mahomes going to the Super Bowl in his second year uh, essentially and Great parallels there. Um, an awesome performance. Didn't get sacked nine times this week. Really hung in there. The offensive line a lot better for Cincinnati. And this, this town, this team that's never even won a Super Bowl is now here. And they're going to have a national holiday tomorrow, I'm guessing. It's, it's a party there in, in Ohio. And unbelievable. So unexpected and really fun that we get this new challenger into the Super Bowl, and uh, they will await the winner of tonight's game between the Rams and the 49ers. Uh, it's 10-7 at halftime for the 49ers, but the Rams really, they left 10 points off the table with an interception in the end zone and a missed field goal. Uh, they're in a tough spot right now, and they're going to need to get some more clutch throws out of Stafford. They had He had one right through the hands of I don't even know what the dude's name was. I'd never heard of him in my life, but he's wide open the end zone and just went right through his hands. Uh, so miss, I guess you could say they missed out on 17 points in that case, but yeah, tough stuff for Stafford. He's been pretty solid so far, except for the, uh, the one interception and the 49ers, they just continue to win when Jimmy G is their quarterback, despite him not being the greatest quarterback, but the run game's going. Debo Samuel, despite getting lit up on a play in the first half, stays in there. Uh, he had an electric touchdown. Brandon Ayuk's looked great. And the Niners are, are one half away from going to another Super Bowl for the first time or second time in three years. And 
that would be an interesting matchup to see as well. San Francisco versus Cincinnati, but uh, waiting on this second half, great NFL action, great football action overall. And yeah, I almost need like the football has been so good that I actually am not, not too bummed out that there won't be any next weekend. Cause I kind of need that break to collect myself. Uh, but that's going to do it for football fan cave here. Uh, some really great action from the weekend. We shall move on into basketball storylines here and almost a combination kind of segment to finish up the pod here with just a couple of notes from two Toronto teams in action this weekend, the Toronto Raptors. Could this be the signature win in their season? A triple overtime game against the Miami Heat where each of the starters, Van Vliet, Trent, OG, Siakam, and Barnes all play in excess of 53 minutes. Um, so more than an entire game's worth of minutes and and some heavy minutes too in an overtime against the Miami Heat team that is tough as nails and will play very physically. Um, big shots from Gary Trent you just see like late shot clock he's probably the guy who can create a shot best obviously Van Vliet's got the range but Gary can do it in a number of ways with step backs and gathers and having the the frame that he does just a little bit easier for him to get that shot off even if it's contested uh and so great to have him there Van Vliet of course with a couple of big late threes that sucked the life out of American Airlines Arena. And then Siakam with some great blocks on Jimmy Butler late in the fourth. Barnes and Anobi showing off their defensive prowess and a, a huge win for this Raptors team when they really needed it to keep pace because a lot of these teams in the seven through 10, Boston, Atlanta, uh, Charlotte in the six seed, are all heating up a little bit and they, they've really got to stay in stride for fear of falling out of the play in tournament. And it's heavy minutes for sure for them to play, but you do have the all-star game coming up shortly. And, and that is a, hopefully a little bit of a reprieve for these guys. You get a couple other dudes healthy, you trade Goran Dragic and hopefully you get one more rotation player that you trust in return. Um, and, and you try to ride it out this season. There's, there's no point You've already invested so much time and energy into this season. Why would you start tanking now? Uh, you're in a decent spot. Yeah. At this point, the process isn't really about trying to acquire those like top five picks. We got that with Barnes. Um, we won the lottery on Ananobi and Siakam and Bar- Barnes, really. Uh, at this point, it's about putting the reps in, having them get to those places and experience the adversity, experience the higher level of play, experience the crunch of the clutch time and needing to perform in the big moments, because only by putting themselves in those moments time and time again, will they develop a team that can succeed in them consistently. So it's probably not going to be pretty or be great, but um, another step in that direction, I guess you could count the Boston series of two years ago, sort of, though with Lowry, Gasol, and Ibaka, that's a pretty different team. Um, yeah. Yeah. Scotty Barnes, speaking of Gasol, Scotty Barnes passing Mark Gasol in all time Raptors scoring uh, last night. Really? That, wow. How did we only have, we had Gasol for two seasons? A year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But he did not do a lot of scoring. Yeah. 
as it was well documented by the frustrations of some fans during the season, but like we, we never got him for his offensive. We got him for his passing and his defensive quarterbacking. I would take Gasol putting up like four points a night right now, just oh. to have someone over seven feet oh my on God. the roster. He would be perfect for this team. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did I throw you like a Valanchunas trade hypothetical a couple pods ago? I think you did. And I would yeah. love to see JV. Yeah. Back. Oh yeah. I said like a first this year's first for JV. But if you haven't noticed the new Orleans Pelicans are knocking right on the door of that 10 seed. I and haven't for the first time in six months, Zion Williamson posting an Instagram video. It was him dribbling a basketball up a court. So oh. if you're the Pelicans, JV unstoppable in this era, at least offensively. Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones has been an awesome pick discovery uh, in the late first round. Um, you get Zion back and maybe you make a run at this play in game. Obviously, like not a team that can make a ton of noise, but it would be something for them to really kind of embrace and have as a positive after it's been a struggle the last couple of seasons and, and feeling a bit like a waste of Zion's rookie deal. And you're going to have to sign this guy to a max. And when he can't even prove that he can play 50% of the games in a season. So if, if they're rolling and they're able to get him back, they can make a push for the play in game. And that's really exciting. Like who would want to play that team in a playing game? I certainly wouldn't. Well, you wouldn't want to play any of these teams in a play-in game, but like I said before about the Raptors core, it's the same for Zion. Like, I think especially there's some questions with his weight and shape and just the way this injury recovered. I've maybe it's just online troll talk. I don't know, but I've also heard questions about his commitment and dedication, motivation, and like it goes both ways. There's been a lot of talk about the Pelicans wasting his talent, but like if he's not fully applying himself, maybe like a look at the playoffs, like, okay, this is the level difference right now. This is where you are. You need to get up here. Maybe just that sheer horror of fact and experience and loss is what a player like Zion needs in order to become the generational type player. The Giannis level athleticism we see in him could manifest that. Yeah, it, it's something to continue to track, but maybe he's closer than we think he is to a return. Um, yeah, I, I worry. I just I worry about the size as it's well documented. And you talk about maybe the lack of motivation. Um, it definitely seems like it's possible. And now he sees his buddies, RJ and Cam playing together in, in New York and Maybe that's where he wants to be. And, and could we see someone turn down the rookie max extension for the first time ever? Something to watch for sure. Yeah, but if he doesn't elevate his game while I'm with the Pelicans, that's just not the tantalizing prospect. Like that might be the Knicks loss if they sign him to a max then. And it does he like it stays par for the course as what's happened in new Orleans so far. So I think the onus is on Zion right now, more than the Pelicans organization as a whole. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Last team here that is on hopefully a development curve. We, uh, we always ride the roller coaster over and over through this season, but um, the Leafs graduating from blowing leads to having to come back from a four, one lead. So I'm not sure which is worse. 
but you take the W, you take the W. I think this is a nice change. I, I'm much happier down 4-1 at this point than I am tied 4-4 after being up 4-1. Yeah, so it, it, a tough first couple periods for Peter Mrazek and the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Vlad Nemetsnikov and Dylan Larkin showing off their skill. This Red Wings team plays at a fast pace and they're fun to watch, but uh, they're still learning, obviously, defensively coming out of, of – they're kind of on the upswing and their rebuild and the Leafs showing them what they're eventually going to try and be. And uh, the Leafs come back. Mitch Marner was possessed in the third period, really great stuff from him and uh, a couple of tip in goals and a couple empty netters. And all of a sudden the four, one lead becomes a seven, four win for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Michael Bunting, maybe the best we were talking Jason Spezza earlier in the season as the best value contract, but Michael Bunting's up there too. A hat trick last night. Um, he's still technically a rookie um, and playing on the top line with Matthews and Marner. What an opportunity for him, but he, he has so much of the qualities that we loved about Zach Hyman. And I think it's two years, 2 million that we're paying him or 2.5. Like it doesn't get much better than that when you're bargain been hunting for guys like this and we have him for another full season with his grit and toughness and I've loved what I've seen from Michael Bunting and he also looks like he's just having so much fun playing for this team a Scarborough Scarborough boy uh playing in Toronto and making an impact for this Leafs team who continues to keep pace in the Atlantic division where it feels like everyone wins every night yeah this the Leafs scouting and free agent signing has always done a really good job I've thought finding their uh bargain bin doing their bargain bin hunting the only regret is usually that it's a one-year term I remember uh, Dave Boland and Mason Raymond two players we kind of rehabilitated that just it was like ah shit 10 games into the season you're like we're never gonna have them next year Zach Hyman a wonderful example even Tyler Bozak I think a free agent signing after he went undrafted in college I feel like there's one or two other slipping, but Bunting of Spezza, of course. Zach Hyman is yeah. like the biggest yeah. example. Yeah. So something we can pat our organization on the back for. I mean, there's lots of great hits and then there are the misses as well. Yes. Nick Ritchie, yes. a guy who has not fit well into this team, but it feels like the value of those contracts kind of balance each other out. But maybe Richie's a guy you can try and package with a pick at this trade deadline and really go for adding a, a, a top four defenseman that really completes out this roster and, and puts you in a position to contend. And if, if the season ended today, you'd be going to Tampa Bay and you know, you're going to have to have a ridiculously sick team on ice to compete with the back-to-back defending cup champions. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy that that's the task ahead of this team after obviously another roller coaster season playing so well and that's their reward but uh i think i'd rather take on the lightning in the first round than the third round i agree i agree because the, the, i'm sure a there's a tiny bit it, well it's also a team with a tiny bit of complacency now it is yeah. tough we've seen it throughout history it is tough to maintain dynasties like injuries and that complacency of going, Oh, we have to go through the motions every year to get to the real season that we're playing in. So maybe it is in the Leafs best interest. If you have nothing to lose, try and catch a team off guard in the first round. 
And they're like, oh, we're playing the team that always loses in the first round of the playoffs. Like yeah. maybe, maybe the hubris of being two-time defending Stanley Cup champions just marginally exceeds the hubris of being born in Toronto and a Leafs fan. And the hockey gods will choose to punish the Lightning instead of punishing the Leafs for the first time in a long time. Yeah, we are we are getting ahead of ourselves though. Gotta stay ahead of the always feared Boston Bruins. Um and then hopefully we'll we'll see what happens from there. It's always always an adventure. Always an adventure with this team. I was gonna remind you about how I picked the Leafs and not the Bruins to make the playoffs and you picked the Bruins and not the Leafs, but it is a bit too early in the season to gloat, so I won't do that. <laughs> Oh, there's lots of other takes you could probably make fun of me for. Um, it's just the ones I was right on that I want to poke at. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's if you're fair. wrong and I didn't say anything, we can throw it in the trash. <laughs> okay. Great pod again today. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Um, we appreciate you for tuning into this one. And if you're still listening here, we'd love to tease something a little bit different coming to the sports next door podcast network uh at first interview done by one of the lovely gentlemen on the radio waves here for you uh max took the time to talk a little bit of music but that's probably as much as i'm gonna want to say on that and and max i know if you want to even tease it a little bit more be my guest but really looking forward to giving it a listen and uh nice little way for us to branch out of the norm and and hopefully this is the first of many people we can talk to about all of the things going on in our lives whether it be entertainment sports music whatever it may be i'm looking forward to it yeah had the pleasure of doing my first ever interview about two hours ago um which went really well relative to how anxious I was for it. And it was a really enjoyable thing. I'm really looking forward to editing it. This it's a lot less time sensitive, unlike the sports stuff, which I always want to have up ASAP once uh, the red light goes off basically. Uh, So I'm going to give myself two weeks in two weeks sports next door's first ever guest episode interview featuring albert Gregel talking about his uh instrumental guitar ep invariant which is a phenomenal 15 minute listen oh and you should go do that as soon as we uh hang up tonight and anyone who's listening to this pod right now should go do that to hype themselves up for the interview till next time sports next door signing out